open your Bibles if you have it, please, to Luke chapter 2. And um, as your Bibles are open, as you prepare for the word of God, let's just pray. Give God thanks for the offering. Oh, Father, thank you so much for the truth that we have been singing. Thank you, God, for giving us hearts so full of worship and praise, Lord God. We give you thanks. Father, as we bow before you, Lord, Lord God, I pray that you will speak. Lord, both Kim and myself come in weakness this morning, God, to serve you and pray, Lord, that your spirit will help us. That, Lord God, your word, Lord, will live. That men will not see speaker, Lord, or signer, Father, but somehow, Father, they will get a glimpse of your son. Somehow, Father, you will anoint um, this time, God, that your spirit, your Holy Spirit, will take full control and speak into hearts and lives. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you will speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've entitled this message this morning, Passing Through. You know, it looks like 195 countries... 195 countries have backed a global climate deal, which uh, David Cameron, our Prime Minister, he says, and I quote, it will secure the future of our planet. Well, I didn't know that our Prime Minister was a prophet, um, prophesying good things. But David Cameron prophesies that our planet is now secure for the future. Well, why? Because 195 nations met in Paris over the weekend. And they have said, we're going to change our way of doing things and, um, and a way of, um, um, of, of operating in our world. And we're going to make sure that our, our world lasts for a very long time. Well, we are told that if the world temperature goes up by two to four degrees. We are told that billions of people will die. We are told that countries will disappear into the sea. We are told that mountains will crumble into the sea and the heat will be unbearable if the temperature goes up just two to four degrees. And you have two options. The government giving you an option, and I will look at that in a few moments' time, and God also gives you an option. There's two options that you have. And um, everyone is celebrating, all the national leaders of these 105, 195 nations, all celebrating saying that we've clinched the deal, that our world is now safe. I hope you're feeling very comfortable this morning, now that these people have said that. But um, passing through, because we're looking at the Christmas story. And last week, we looked at, at, at Jesus being wrapped in cloth. Today, we're going to look at where he was placed. And so, our Bible reading, um, I've entitled this, this section, An Inadequate Dwelling. Because look where, we, where he was placed. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him 
in a manger because there was no room available for them in the inn. So where did he place the baby? Where they, where they placed, and we all know this, they placed the baby Jesus in a manger. Now I think that um, our artists and our filmmakers, they have done us a great disservice. Because if you've got a Christmas card with the nativity scene on it, you will have a manger which is a nice little box just the right size on the floor. So when Mary sits on the chair, she can see her little baby. And you get the impression that the manger was just right for the baby. You know, it wasn't too big or too small. It was just right with all the nice fluffy hair or, or hay, shall I say, around it. That's the impression that you get. But actually, a manger was a feeding trough. That's what it was. It was a feeding trough for the farm animals. It was probably quite huge because it had to feed um, not just um, maybe one cow, but a number of cows would have gathered around this feeding trough and they will feed from it or drink from it or eat from it. So they have all their nose and their tongue and all their other stuff that they've been eaten on the floor, all put inside this feeding trough. That is, and that was, a manger. That was it, that's what it was. And, and, and we think to ourselves that it was a nice little place where baby Jesus was laid. He was laid in a huge box. It was totally inadequate. It was totally imperfect. And it was temporal as well. It wasn't going to last. I mean, you go into the Bible, and where were Moses laid? Well, Moses was placed in a basket. And do you know what? We still have the term with us today. We have a Moses basket. I mean, Kim and I, we've still kept our children's Moses basket in the loft for years and years and years. That's where the Moses basket was. Babies are still placed in a Moses basket. But you never get babies placed in a feeding bowl in these days. But that is where Jesus was placed. He was placed in a feeding bowl. And you need to understand who was placed in a feeding bowl. Who was it actually placed? Well, the Bible tells you who was placed in the feeding bowl. If you go to Isaiah, look what it says. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it who was laid in the manger that baby that child that son was a wonderful counselor he was 
the mighty God. He was the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He was laid, he was to be found in a feeding trough, a place totally inadequate, totally imperfect, totally temporal. He was laid right there, and that speaks to me. It speaks to me of the condescending nature of God coming down from his high throne in heaven and coming down and dwelling in a feeding trough. It speaks to me of Christ being humbled, his humility as he comes down. It also speaks to me of his pilgrimage, his journey. He's just passing through. The manger was, as I said, inadequate, imperfect, and temporal, and had to be left behind. As soon as Mary and Joseph came out of the stable, they didn't carry the manger with them, they left that behind. So, why is that so important? Well, if you follow the life of Jesus, and stay with me here, if you follow the life of Jesus, you see why this is so important. Because Jesus, now, he says these words, and I'll give you the background. He says these words. Jesus replied, he says this, Foxes have dens or holes, and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, he said that when crowds were following him. Huge crowds. Jesus said this when he was so popular, he was more popular than the Beatles or Michael Jackson or any other famous star. He was so popular that crowds upon crowds was following him. And a religious man came up to him and said to him, Jesus, I will follow you. And that's when Jesus said this. Foxes have holes or dens and birds have their nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. If you want to follow me, Jesus is saying, you want to follow me, I want to tell you, this place is not my final destination. If you want to follow me, you religious leader, the man who knows the Bible, knows the scripture, if you want to follow me, I want to tell you that I have no abiding place here. You see, the foxes, they've got their home. The birds have their home. But the Son of Man, the anointed one of God, I have nowhere at all because this is not my final destination. Like the manger, it's inadequate. Like the manger, it's imperfect. Like the manger, it is temporal. And I'm leaving it behind. And so that's one thing Jesus said. He said this about, about this, but he also said something else. He continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Now he said this to a group of men who didn't believe in him. They didn't have any faith in him at all. They were arguing with him. They was arguing with him. They didn't have no conviction that he says what he said he was. They didn't believe him and they was arguing with him. So Jesus turned around and says to them, now listen, 
The reason why you can't put your faith in me, the reason why you're not following me, because you don't belong to me. In fact, he says, you are not from where I'm from. You are from this world. I am not. You belong below. I belong from above. You see, there's a world that Jesus has come from. There's a kingdom that Jesus belonged to. And to those who did not have faith, to those who did not believe in him, Jesus turned around and said to them, you belong to this world, you belong to this planet, you belong to this kingdom. I do not. Now, how does that concern us? How does that apply to you and to me today? Well, Jesus prays. He prays for Christians. He prays for people who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He prays for born-again believers, and he says this in his prayer. You find it in John 17. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. I have given them your word, he says, and the world has hated them. And that's so true, isn't it? The world hates Christians because God has given them his word. Well, what is his word? Well, his word is things like this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. All sin is bad, whether it's sin of theft, whether it's sin of homosexuality. It's all bad because the wages of sin is death. There is no other name given to men, no other name given to men that we must be saved. And that name is the name of Jesus. That is the word of God. And there's many other words. But because we say these words that come from God... The world hates us. They don't like it. They don't like to be told what God has said. And Jesus says himself, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for it. But then he says something else. He says, why have they hated them? Why? Because, he says, they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. You see, something has happened. When a man or woman becomes born again, when someone sees their sin and sees their filth and turn around and say, crying out loud, God, I deserve hell. I deserve you to damn me. But Lord, I see that Jesus has given his life for me and I'm placing my trust and my faith in him and him alone. Not in my works, but in what he has done. And because a man that says that, he becomes born again. And the Bible says, he's not any longer belonging to this world. He has been translated out from this world. And he has been placed into the kingdom of God. Praise be the Lord. And so Jesus turns around. He says it in another place as well. He says over in, the, 
in a few verses down, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Just as this world was inadequate for me, just like the manger was inadequate and imperfect for me, just like the manger was temporal for me, and I was born in it, and it was temporal. These new believers, they're born into this world, and this world is inadequate. This world is temporal. This world is imperfect. And now they've been born, and I'm taking them out of this world. They've been placed in a new, a new world, a new kingdom. They belong with me. Now, the Bible calls us these words. In, in 1 Peter, the, Peter says... Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and aliens to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. The Bible calls us foreigners or strangers and aliens. You know, when I first read that in the Bible, I thought, aliens is not a very nice word, you know. When I think about aliens, you know, I think about these little green guys, you know, with orange eyes. And I think to myself, do I look like that? The Bible calls me an alien. What does it mean to be called an alien? Well, you know, one of my favorite superheroes, he's an alien as well. He's Superman. And I thought to myself, you know what? We may not be supermen or superwomen, but God has put his supernatural life into us. God has given us heavenly life, eternal life. God has placed his power in us, which makes us an alien, a stranger. We don't no longer belong here. We can't put our our roots down here. We can't say, this is my home, because God says, I have another home for you. I have another kingdom for you. That when you die and you leave this world behind, I will welcome you into your heavenly dwelling, says the Lord. And that's what God has called us to do. We are strangers on this earth. The Bible, again, says these words, talking about Christians. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And that is so true. The problem with Christians today is that we have placed our roots so deep into this world. And when you become born again, when Christ has ransomed you and rescued you and saved you, you belong to another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so we have the climate change people, the governments of this world, the power of this world. And they said, you know, We have reached a climate deal that's going to secure the future of our planet. Our planet will stay for as long as it can possibly stand for. And they give you three options to do. They give you three things you've got to do. If you want your planet to survive, you've got to do three or more things, of course. And I don't 
criticize this, but if you want your planet to survive, first of all, when you brush your teeth, turn the tap off. Have a shower instead of a bath. Eat beef. That will also help the climate. And get rid of your cars. Don't drive any longer. If you do all that, the world will last longer. That's what the government says. What does God say? God says this. Repent from your sin. Turn from your evil and wicked way. Put your faith in Christ and in Christ alone. And then, and then, even though everything passes away, everything fails and everything goes to pot, even though everything is ruined, then if you place your faith in him, I will welcome you into your eternal home. Now, the option is yours. You can choose which one you want to take. You can say, oh, I'll do what the government says, because the government is always right. And you can do what the government says. Or you can do what God has said in his word. And I want to tell you, the word of man will pass away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Okay, so... The manger was inadequate, imperfect, temporal, and Jesus was placed in it. Praise God, he's no longer there anymore. He's passing through. The second thing, and the final thing I want to say this morning is about a complete filling. Because in the story that we, we, we read about Jesus, they placed him in the manger because the reason why they did that, it says there was no room available for them in the inn, in the guest house. We know it as the inn. There was no room for them in the inn. Now, I've said this before, um, and it's, it's just a weak thing to say. You know, people say at Christmas time, um, there was no room for Jesus, they say. Will you make room in your heart for him? They often say that. I've said that. It's a weak thing to say. There's no room for Jesus in the inn. Will you please, will you kindly make room for Jesus in your heart? Well, in fact, the inn was the place that lost out big time. The inn lost out in a major way. No one now looks to the inn. No one turns around. If Jesus was born in the inn, there would be a church right there this day. Everyone will be coming up 2,000 years later saying, come to the, this inn because there the Christ was born. There will be a fanfare all around the inn. Lights and glamour and, and, and glitz all around it. Why? Because Jesus was born there. But I'm telling you, he wasn't born there. There was no room for him. In fact, the Bible says that the place where he was born was a stable. And in that stable, in that stable, there you saw all the, all the glory. In that stable, it was filled with the presence of God. It was so amazing that even the shepherds come rushing down the hill. And when they went into the stable, they saw Jesus and they come out. The Bible says, the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all the things they've heard and seen, 
which were just as they had been told. What had they been told? When the angels appeared in glory, hundreds of them in the night sky, and they turned around and they said, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and where? Lying in a manger, in a stable. The stable itself was filled with the glory of God. And so we have it now. The question is not to, would you make room for Jesus? That's the problem with Christmas, isn't it? Will you make room for Jesus? Will you squeeze him in somewhere in your life? Will you find um, a slot for him? You know, I know you're very busy, you know. You've got your family and you've got your work and you've got your leisure time. You've got your TV and video time. You've got your game and PlayStation time. Maybe you can just find somewhere you can just slot Jesus in just to keep him happy for a little while. Let him in. No. No, no, no. The question is, would you allow Jesus to fill your whole entire life? That is the question. Like the stable, a poor dwelling, nothing glamorous. Nobody wanted to go into it. Nobody wanted to take a photo of it. Nothing glamorous, a bit like you and me. Nothing glamorous about us. But when Christ comes and fills you. The Bible says, angels rejoice in heaven. There's more rejoicing among the angels in heaven. There's a shout in the throne room of God when faith and repentance is birthed into a man's heart and life. And they say, Jesus, I want you and no one else. There's rejoicing in glory when a man, a woman turns to God. Oh, it's not about will you make room for Jesus. No, 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 no. Forget that application. If I said it before in this pulpit, forgive me for even mentioning that. Will you make room for Jesus? No, no, no. Jesus comes and he fills every area of a person's life. Praise God. May he come even this morning. And may he fill you. There was a, and I will close with this, a very humorous story told of a man in the floods. Not in the flood, but the place, a bit like Keswick, was all being flooded. Rain was coming down. And this man left his downstairs. He went up into his upstairs, and the waters were still going higher. This man left the upstairs, went on his roof, and he prayed. Oh, God, save me, he said. Save me. A few minutes later, a rowing boat came by. And the um, guy in the boat said, jump in. And the guy said, no, it's okay, I've prayed. The Lord's got to save me. So the boat went on. Then a speedboat came by. And they saw a man on the roof that turned around towards the man. Come on, jump in. The man said, no, it's okay, I've prayed. The Lord's got to save me. Anyway, a few hours went by and, and a helicopter came over the, over the roof of the, the house. You on the roof! Grab hold of the rope! 
The man cried out and he said, no, no, it's okay. The Lord's going to save me. Well, a few more hours went by and the flood waters were too deep and the man died. He entered into heaven. And he said, God, I thought you were going to save me. The Lord said, well, I sent a rowing boat, a speedboat and a helicopter and you still didn't grab hold. You know, the point of the story is that God has made a provision for your salvation. He's made a provision. That provision is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other avenue. There's no other way of getting into glory. He's made a provision. This world is passing away. This world is temporal. When you were born again, you weren't made to dwell on this earth forever. You're meant to dwell in a new heaven and a new earth that God himself will bring into existence. Will you allow the Lord to fill you this Christmas? Don't give him a slot, but allow him to fill you to overflowing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I bow before you today and I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, you said in your word that you will send your Spirit. And I pray, oh God, that your Spirit will begin to fill men and women in this church, Lord. That it would not just be a a nice message, a, a nice time of worship, but Lord God, there will be an encounter with you today. There will be a filling, a wonderful outpouring of your spirit upon the hearts and the lives of men and women. That we will want more of you, oh God, and less of what this world has to offer. More of your kingdom and less of this kingdom, oh God. More of your light and less of this darkness. More of holiness and less of sin and wickedness. More of you, oh God, and less of us. Oh, Father, I pray that you will indeed fill this church. Individuals, men and women, young and old, fill us, oh God, with your spirit, I pray, that we might go through this week, Lord, not struggling to find room for you but Lord go through this week enjoying you in every area of our lives and we pray this in Jesus name Amen Amen Let's stand shall we